guys. Welcome back to Are You For Real with Sarah Frick. Today on the podcast, we have the lovely Busy Phillips, um, who is joining us at the Crack Acid Dawn from California. And I'm trying to figure out like how to make coffee in my rental. I really can't figure out. <laughs> She's trying to figure out how to save the world and make coffee. Um, oh God. and I don't think busy needs much introduction, so I'm not going to do the whole song and dance with her. She is, I mean, busy. Do you, you, you wrote, you write books, you have a podcast, you act, yeah. do you sing and dance yeah. too? Yes, I do on that TV show on yeah. Girls by Bubba. That's exactly what I do. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, so I asked busy to come on the podcast a few weeks ago, her, I had met her many years ago through our mutual friend, Stacy Smallwood, who owns Hamden clothing in town. And we became friendly. And then I feel like just anytime anything has come up, you know, on the channels about Roe or abortion, you and I have both been very like vocal about it. And clearly you have an amazing platform to do such good. And when we, I think I did a post on something about it and you shared it. And then when we did, when Natalie Gregory, um, you know, we posted about her sharing her speech at the state house and you reposted it. And that was like super helpful for us because, you know, in South Carolina right now, it's, um, it's a pretty, pretty sad situation, I would say. Well, it's so funny because Sarah, I mean, like, I'm sure that a lot of the people that listen to this podcast live in South Carolina, right? Like live Yo. where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to say a little bit of like, I've been in the like abortion activism space for quite some time now. And, but, but I was a woman who lived in California and then in, now I live in New York city and I did have that, a white woman who lived in those places, and I did have that feeling of, like, this will never affect me. Like, you know, as the extreme, not extreme abortion bans, but as the, um, like, trap laws were being passed across the country, and you would sort of hear little mumblings about them. Like, do we know what trap laws are? Go, just explain it for the listeners. It's trap is targeted restrictions, um, Again, like targeted restrictions against providers. Okay. Targeted restrictions against providers. Sorry, you guys. It's eight a.m. I literally get your kettle. My coffee yet. <laughs> Just like let's be real. This is good this friendship. Is the, the fact, the fact that I even am like targeted restrictions, um, you know, against providers, um, and that's those are the kinds of like small laws that have been chipping away at our right to easily access abortion in places where there have been more conservative um, legislation, Mm -hmm. like in South Carolina, for instance. Um, You know, these are laws that are like a person that provides abortion, even though abortion is like a very safe medical procedure, one of the safest, in fact, medical procedures um, and healthcare that women need is necessary. the restrictions would be things like um, abortion care providers would have to be within a certain mileage of a hospital that their that the hallways in their clinics would need to be uh, wide enough for gurneys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like these just making it really are, hard, right? And putting and putting a lot of abortion providers out of business, right? Because they're unable to meet these 
like ridiculous restrictions, you know? Yeah, totally. And so, um, or, or like you probably know more, you know, things like parental consent or having to women having to have two ultrasounds before the abortion, women being forced to look and acknowledge the ultrasound, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which in and of itself is like, by the way, those trap laws have never stopped women from accessing the abortion care that they need. You know, all it's done is slow the process and put women in danger and put clinics and people and providers out of business and, and, um, not being able to be in communities where the care is needed. Well, that's, that's I mean, that's what my thought on is it too. And, and when Natalie Gregory was here, who's an OB, she, you know, she said, you're, and I'm going to totally like muck this up, but she was talking about pregnant women. Like, she's like, you're always going to be safer and healthier unpregnant than pregnant. She was like, pregnancy is like it, in it of itself for a woman. It's very dangerous, you know? Oh my God. And yes. it's, and it just, it, well, that's why this idea, this like Amy Coney Barrett saying, I mean, this idea that like forced birth is even a thing that, that is like not a big deal. Like, it's not a big deal for women to, to carry a baby for nine months. And, you know, they're specifically talking about unwanted pregnancies, which is, like, definitely a part of abortion care. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there are so many obviously intersections of, like, reproductive health that are about wanted babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, totally. That, you know, and your story, that's also why I think, sharing your story is so important too, because I think that, look, I've seen in the work and the activism that I've done that it goes through waves with the upside, with the antis. Um, And they will like sort of hook into a thing that they think is resonating with people. For a minute with Trump, it was this idea of late term abortion and like this idea that they would like birth live babies and murder them, which is, I mean, truly, of all of the lies that he perpetrated on us, that one to me was like, I was like, how are people believing this? I know. And my God, when I tell you that a woman I am friends with here in Los Angeles, who's a smart woman, who I like a lot, literally DM'd me and said, is that true? Have they done that? And I was like, oh, my God. I know. Like, the lie, you know, they're they're able to really, like, cut through the noise with outrageous lies. Because the truth is honestly so fucking boring and sad. Like, you know, like, yeah. it's just, like, late-term abortions, when they have happened, are terribly sad situations like doctors are ethical. They're not like out there to like murder babies. No. I don't even understand and that's, where this idea came from. Like it's, we're not talking about babies. We're not like talking about babies. Right. You know? Yeah. We're talking about, uh, we're talking about people who are living, who are making choices that in many cases are very difficult for them to make. In many cases, very fucking easy. And they should be allowed and able to make those choices for their body without all of this interference from the government 
for for literally no reason. I know. Other than their own personal and religious beliefs. But and you so you know just to like kind of piggyback what you're saying like I've been thinking about this a lot and I was talking to John about it, you know. Um like they don't, you know, some people are saying, you know, they don't want there to be contraception of this kind and all this and this and that. And I'm thinking like, if it's like, you know, people don't, some of these groups don't want to fund Planned Parenthood or if it's about a money thing, let's say that. Okay. So then you don't have contraception. You don't have abortion. Now who's going to take care of these babies? A, right? Like, so you don't, you think that it's going to cost a lot of money, like to fund Planned Parenthood or something? Like what about like all of the money that's going to have to be funneled into these families that now have all these children, right? And I mean- But that's the thing, babe, like they're not willing, they vote down every, you know, I, you know, every kind of healthcare, any kind of like benefit for, you know, families, um, you know, mandatory preschool, first five, um, like we can't even get like the maternal mortality rate in this country is abysmal. Like we can't even get women out of the hospital with a baby. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so, so now they're like, well, not only do you have no choice, you have to like go through this thing and at your, you know, the other thing is like the language of a lot of the legislation on the state levels in these, in places like Oklahoma and Texas and Florida um, is that it's like purposefully sort of vague, like in the case of the mother's health. Mm -hmm. So um, Alexis McGill Johnson, who's the head of Planned Parenthood and I were doing a panel together not long ago. And she had recently heard from, a care provider um, in Texas and had gotten in touch with a woman who had a partial miscarriage of, a, you know, she and her husband were having their second child. Mm-hmm. She had had a partial miscarriage. She did her doctor told her to go to the emergency room. It was like on the weekend. She went to the emergency room in the um, hospital and the doctors for insurance purposes didn't feel like they could make the call that her life was in jeopardy yet because she was feeling, she was feeling okay, but like miscarrying. Yeah. They told her to go home. And when she started to feel sepsis, high fever, like literally when you, when you feel like you're dying, come back and then we'll provide abortion care for you. Awful. It's unconscionable. I know. It's insane. It's cruel. It's really cruel, honestly. And it is actually cruel. That's right. And cruel. I just it can't, you know, like with, you know, and I know most of our listeners know our story, but it's, you know, like when, after we lost Grace, I mean, we paid off her medical bills. She lived for three days. Waylon is now eight. The twins are now five. Grace would be 11 next May. We paid off her medical bills until right before the twins were born. So that's a lot of time. So not only is that like, I mean, that's a lot, you know, and John and I have resources like, you know, and it, but it was so much fucking money. It was unbelievable. And like the pain of that, like, right. Like you go home and you don't have a baby, but you have all these medical bills. Now, if that were to happen to me again, according to Natalie Gregory, understanding what you said, like these laws are so like loose, you know, she said, because I can carry the pregnancy to full term, a balanced translocation or an unbalanced translocation, which is what I have 
that's not one of the exceptions. And like my actual, like, is my actual physical health at risk? No. Is my mental health at risk? Highly. Natalie said you would have that baby again and you would have to hold a baby while it died again, full term. Like that is so fucking crazy. That's so crazy. And the bills again. And even if it's just like, you know, so not only are you like fucked mentally, but now financially, and then like the stress it puts on your life, your marriage, your your children that are already alive, your job. It just makes absolutely no sense to me. And to me, it's such a power thing because I can't, it's, it's like holding, it's just holding women down, holding vulnerable communities down over and over and just perpetuating the same cycle. And I think that's partly why I get so hot about it. I mean, yes, I think we should be able to make choices. And even if, Hey, I'm all, yes, mine is a medical situation, but do we not think people should have second chances and third chances? I know like shit. Can I just, can I just tell you? I, so, you know, I talked about my abortion on my, for the first time publicly in my book that came out in 2018, 2018, Jesus, so long ago. Um, and then in May, 2019, I had the late night talk show and all of the extreme abortion bans were being passed across the country. And I just said to my showrunner, Casey, who now is my co-host on the podcast, like, I think we got to talk about abortion. Like I, we've talked about <laughs> how there need to be more women in late night TV. And I got that. I like <laughs> forced <laughs> this network to give me this late night <laughs> talk show. We better use it the way that we need to, yeah. you know? And cause none of the other shows were talking about extreme abortion bans. Like no one was talking about it in 20, in May, 2019. Um, and so I talked about my abortion on the show. I was 15. I lived in Arizona. Um, you know, I had an abortion. Mm-hmm. Like that's period. <laughs> like that's it. That's the beginning, middle, end of the story. Right. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, like, and it's interesting because here's what I'll say. Can I give you a little bit of hope? Like a little piece of Please. hope after I talked about my abortion and was and became like really visible in the activist space for abortion. Um, because I've been on the board of the center for reproductive rights, like the creative council there for a while. And, um, you know, I've worked with Planned Parenthood over the years, but I hadn't really been out there with my own story. And, you know, I wrote about it in my book and it kind of like flew under the radar and I was like, because honestly, I was scared. I was scared. Mm-hmm. I was scared of the antis because they can be so horrible, mm-hmm. so mean, and honestly, so violent. Like, and I'm a public person, and I just didn't, I, and I have two children, and I didn't want to do that. And then at a certain point, I'm like, women are already, like, suffering, and in many places, like, you know, and with the maternal mortality, like women are already dying. Mm-hmm. Like I need to, I need to like visibly talk about this because one of the reason reasons why we've gotten to this place is because people won't talk about it. Right. right. Cause because there's so much shame. Yeah. Because we've all been shamed. Right. Or scared, shamed or scared. You're either shamed or you're scared. Mm-hmm. And I was like no longer shamed at all but I was scared and that was the thing that held me back for a while. So then once I like got rid of that in 2019, I got a lot of hate. I was like put on 
horrible Reddit boards. I got people threatening me, threatening my family. Jeez. Like I got things like sent to my house in Los Angeles. Like threatening um, you like how? Like shut your mouth? They're going to murder you. What? <laughs> yes. They're, they're going like, to murder so you because incredible. you got an abortion? Correct. Okay. This is what's so that makes sense. wild. You don't, you don't deserve to live. You don't deserve to live. Jeez. I, I, that was like, a, yeah. And like that to me was always part, you know, we can talk about the, hypocr- the hypocrisy of the legislation and of these politicians because, you know, and we should, we should, and we should not let them eat at restaurants because, you know, women are not even allowed to like live their own lives Mm -hmm. at this point, you know, be in control of their own destinies and their families and their careers. And um, like the economic impact alone, the educational impact, like the fact that this is going to prevent people from being able to be participatory in the workforce, being able to get higher education, being able to enter the fucking army, Mm -hmm. the armed services. I know they care so much about the fucking army. Well, guess what? Like you're, you're getting rid of a lot of the people that would be signing up for you, you know? Yep. So what do you think um, like as someone, but, 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 but recently, recently I have, seen a decline in that kind of hateful rhetoric toward me like when I talk about abortion and friends who also work in this space I would just say like numbers wise it's like gone down the people are starting to (laughs) like the people who are really like full of vitriol and hate for women and hate for strong women speaking out and speaking their truth. Those, those people are always going to like, you know, lash out at like public figures, right? right? Because they're sad, small people. But by and large, like the rest of the people who I think you know, used to, would post like comments on my Instagram posts about abortion. Like those people have shut up and gone away. Like they're not doing it anymore because the other, so many other people have started to get vocal about their own abortion care, about what abortion care is, about educating why it's necessary, why doctors and the people getting abortions should be the only ones making these decisions. Mm -hmm. Why politicians don't belong that. I do think a lot of people are starting to like get a little bit quieter. A lot of the antis are getting a little bit quieter and like, I mean, hopefully listening. Yeah. Is what I mean. That's, but at, at the very least, there's obviously some understanding that their opinion is like no longer needed here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I, so that's good. <laughs> that is good. I mean, I know you were recently, you were at, in Washington, in DC, right? Yeah. Oh, I got arrested. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're going to get there. I, when the last time I went to the state house, I'm sure you see this when you're there. I mean, there was a lot less of them and a lot more of us. And it was so interesting, you know, the people that hold up the big signs with the dead fetus and the, they're just screaming out, you know, um, 
just Bible verses and stuff like that. There was, it was all men and one woman. And it just was like, I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. It seems like you're right. Yes. It's very, um, and that's what, so that's what I went with my friend Kira and I was like, there's only one woman. And she was the one I talked about like on another podcast, like she was holding a sign and I was confused. I, cause I thought she was like with us and it was a sign and had all these women, like cartoon characters of women in the fifties. And it said, get back in the kitchen. And I literally thought she was like making fun of the people, but Kira's like, no, no, she's with them. And I was like, what? And she had like all of her little kids with her. It was just, honestly, it was like, sad. Um, that is, listen, that's a vibe, man. I don't know. Like I, that's so weird to me. I know. I I know. It's, it's so weird to me too. I just could not stop staring. People should be able to hold multiple things in life. Like that's what being a fucking person is. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know I have always wanted to be a mother since I was, I was one of those little kids that like as a baby played with baby dolls, pretending that I was their mommy. Like I knew my destiny was to be a mom. I knew it like, and I can hold that like part of myself. And also that when I got pregnant at 15 with this, like, skater drug addict loser mm-hmm. you know in high school even if he had been like star quarterback whatever like you know great guy when I got pregnant at 50, it was not the moment that parenthood was calling for me correct. like there were other things I needed to do first and you know a lot of times the antis will like get at people who talk about especially public people like me or any of my friends who've actors or performers who've talked about abortions they've had and they've, and they try to like draw this line, like, Oh, you think your success is because of your abortion. I do not think that at all. No, no, no. Truly. This is like a thing that, that this is a narrative. This is one of the narratives that they, that they go for is that like, you know, I'm not saying, look, we're living in like life is a sliding door. I'm not saying that I couldn't have had that baby, but like, I chose not to, and that's okay. Like, because it's my life and it was my choice and it was, you know, the thing that was right for me, Right. you know? And like, you may have a different life. You may be, you know, a lot of times they'll be like, well, look at this person who had a baby at 15 and she's wonderful and the baby is great. And it's like, okay, great. That's great for them. Right. Like, I'm happy for them. Yep. That's totally. That's my, my that's what I always say. Like, if you are pro-life, like I respect you a hundred percent, like you do you, but like, why does that, why does your choice have to change mine? And that gets me to like, so I want to ask you this cause I feel like you do have, you do know a lot and you've put so much time and your energy into it. Like as somebody who is kind of just starting to listen to the conversation, what are things that like, cause you said about your friend who was like, do they, are they really killing these full-term babies, you know? Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that people like need to like, I don't want to say like look out for, but things that could be like, that's not real. I'm, I'm either side, I guess, truly like what, how, where's like good information, you know, facts, things like that. Well, listen, the, the bottom line is, yeah, like education is key and like, um, educating yourself and, being able to educate 
your friends and family is so important, right? And yeah, there's a glut of information coming at us all the time, especially like on Instagram, especially, you know, on social media. And it does get difficult to sort of decipher, like, where are we going? What is the real situation here? I will say Birdie is my, again, my, I talked about my seventh grader, but that's because Birdie's engaged in this conversation, which I also want to just bring up for all the parents listening. Like if you have talked to your kids about sex, you can talk to them about abortion. Mm-hmm. You can talk to them about what's happening right now. And you can talk to them about, and even if your kids aren't old enough to like really fully understand sex and you haven't had that conversation yet um, with my nine-year-old and one of her little friends, um, we talked the day after um, the decision on Dobbs came came in and I explained to them why I was so sad because um, a law had been passed or, you know, a decision had been made that it was going to be up to states to determine if women had the right to decide medical things about their own bodies. Mm-hmm. And that was really upsetting to me because what it essentially means is that in the eyes of some states, men and women aren't equal and Mm -hmm. we know that they're equal, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so like there are ways to talk to your kids about these things that aren't, um, you know, like, I just, I just want to add that piece because I think a lot of times people forget to include their children in Mm -hmm. these conversations because not just, you know, like, kids on the playground or whatever, like will say things like abortion's bad, but they don't know what they're talking about. Right. You know, like we know, you know, we know that like kids, so Birdie, my child, my older kid, who's 14 did um, like their final papers in social studies about the economic impact of um, making abortion illegal in like other places, like other countries in the world, and then what the economic impact will be in the United States and what the economic impact has been in states that have already had, you know, extreme uh, bans and um, have essentially like made it illegal. What'd she find? This is, I mean, this is the thing that I'm saying, like a seventh grader was able to do research and find. Right. (laughs) So, so we should be able to do it too, guys. Um, but there are like a couple good research. There are a couple good um, uh, resources. The Gut Mocker Institute. You know what that is? I don't. Okay, so the Gut Mocker Institute. You can just look at it's G U. Hold on, I gotta spell it out. Okay, it's G U T T M A C H E R dot org. And the Gutmacher Institute is um, the nation's leading um, research institute on um, reproductive health. Okay. And they and they like also it's like global and in the United States. So this is like a really great resource, this, this website, some of it can get like a little too like school. Mm-hmm, right. 
but they have like easy to read um articles and things as well and um you know they've been doing this work for so long Gutmacher Institute um and it's a you know they're they're like definitely all based in like facts and I think that's important facts or facts are facts can't argue with facts 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 are facts um you know I look to here are the places I look to get like the real scoop from the ACLU Mm -hmm. um American Civil Liberties Union in case you didn't know um, I also donate to them because they do incredible work and um, they have lawyers that work in tandem with the Center for Reproductive Rights and with Planned Parenthood and their lawyers. You know, there are lots of different organizations that are, um, you know, working together to handle all of these different cases and these things that come up state by state. Um, and um, the ACLU has like, you know, it's technically bipartisan, just I'm putting that out there. Mm-hmm. So is Ren. The same, yep. same, yeah, and same with uh, Center for Reproductive Rights. Um, and the Center for Reproductive Rights focuses on legislation, and they, you know, they're typically, their lawyers are the ones that argue at the Supreme Court level, typically. Um, all of the cases in the last decade, at least, have been lawyers from Center for Repro Rights. Um, But they're not just looking at the U.S., although their main focus right now is the U.S. They're also worldwide dealing with reproductive justice in countries all over the world. Mm -hmm. And they have their hand in fighting for um, reproductive rights for women, you know, everything from... um, you know, banning genital mutilation to um, abortion care. So, you know, the center is really an incredible organization. And like Planned Parenthood, you know, was the focus of a lot of attacks and smear campaigns. But the fact is, it remains like the largest health organization providing care to women and people who need it. Like, for sexual health, like for not just abortion care, um, but, you know, obviously like breast exams, um, you know, pap smears. Um, so what do you, you think is going to happen trans people to like to Planned Parenthood? And I, I asked Natalie, uh, Dr. Gregory, the same question. And she was like, I really don't know, because when I had my abortion the first time at 11 weeks after we found out I was carrying another sick baby, I went to Planned Parenthood because John and I are both self-employed. We don't have the we don't have um, any maternity insurance, yeah. you know. And it was clean. It was safe. They were very professional. Oh my god! Very well, kind. that's the other thing too. Like for anyone listening who hasn't had an abortion, can I just tell you something? I did. You can go on my Instagram and like you'll have to scroll back or go to Whole Women's Health, which is um, which is a healthcare and abortion provider operating in many different states. It's run by this woman, Amy Hagstrong Miller. Um, they had they had a case at the Supreme Court several years ago that was um, decided in favor of whole women's health. Um, but I went and toured their um, clinic, their abortion clinic in Austin and did like a 
video of it because I think that, you know, the other side gets like, they're making, they give you all of this imagery, right? Mm -hmm. Like, right. That it's like shady. Right. It's literally like a nice doctor's office. It's like nicer than going to urgent care. Right. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. It's like really nice and cozy and beautiful and warm and inviting. And they're there to provide care and they're there to support you emotionally in whatever state you're in. Like whether it's like a decision that you're like, I have no qualms about this. This is the right decision for me. Or if you're like, this was a very wanted pregnancy and Mm -hmm. something has gone wrong and you are devastated. Like they're there and they are there with the women and they support you the whole way through. And even during COVID, the providers these women are like angels mm-hmm. who are providing the care and the aftercare um, for women who need abortion services, especially in states like yours and Texas and Oklahoma. And I mean, well, not Oklahoma and Texas anymore, but, um, you know, Alabama, like all of the states with where there's just two clinics left right. in the entire fucking yeah. state. Um, I think personally, you know, I've gotten to spend a lot of time with Alexis McGill Johnson, who has taken over as the president of Planned Parenthood in arguably like the most devastating time for reproductive rights in our country. Um, I believe in her. I would like follow her anywhere. And I believe that she will not give up and that they will continue to find ways to provide care to people who need it. And the other thing that I just want to say um, is that is to talk about a little bit about imagery in protesting and imagery in when you talk about abortion care now and illegal abortion care now. When we, you know, when people say like, we won't go back, the great news is we actually don't have to go back to the illegal abortions of the fifties and sixties and very early seventies. There, the coat hangers don't, that's not a thing that we need to even bring up anymore. Right. Because there are ways to have abortions now, the medical abortions um, that are not, that do not, require harm to a woman. There's no back alleys happening. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like we have, we have the information and the resources to continue to support women who are getting abortions, even if they happen to live in States where abortion has been deemed illegal and there are ways for them to have safe and supported abortions in those places too. And I know that sounds like, well, listen, like sometimes you got to break the law. Yes. But like, well, no. And that, and that was but, another but, thing I was going to say, like, are they, cause we saw something and I don't know, you know, like I said, like, where's the best place to get information, but you know, that they were saying, if you leave your state, you're breaking the law. Is that something well, that's that was, real or is that? Well, they were trying to pass. So that's why they had that um, they were on the floor the other day. Um, they were debating two bills. The first was um, brought by a representative in Texas who's a fucking badass, and it's the right to travel. And now I just want to repeat that, the right to travel. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So these states are now saying you don't have the right to travel. Right. And I'm not even saying like this. I'm just saying like, so what are they going to do? Like they see a woman in a car crossing a border and they roll that and they question any woman. And are they going to do that? Is this the same as any man? Is, is he going to be questioned why he is crossing a border? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like this is, this is, that's dystopian vibes. Like that's not what the, that's not what we should be okay with at all in any way, right. shape or form. Um, but uh, yeah, like there's a lot of debate happening about the right to travel. And this is the other thing that like, again, hypocrisy, I guess is like, whatever we can, but like for Republicans, they're like, we want less government interference. And yet like you can't travel. Right. Well, I know like less government, but let us make your, let us make these decisions for you. Today's episode is brought to you by A Maker's Post, which is this cool little store that just opened on Sullivan's Island. Um, Their tagline is made things, growing things, and a space to gather. I have been in there before. I've bought some local jewelry from some of my favorite local designers. The whole back is like an arboretum. It is like, it's, you just kind of want to move in there and live in there. It's so beautiful. There's so many plants, beautiful, like table linens. I got, I bought this really cool coffee table book. It's called Roar. It's all about these like strong ass women. It's an Ashley Longshore book. It's so, I mean, seriously, like anytime you need a gift or even just like to change your mood, (laughs) go over there. I bought the most beautiful plant that was in like this piece of pottery and the price on it was amazing as well. I was in there and I got gifts. I just can't like tell you enough how cool this store is. It's if I had the capacity to create a store, I would have created this. It's just, everything is very handpicked. It's uh, very curated. It's beautiful, beautiful. Stop in there. And if you tell them that you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off. Just mention the works. Um, Again, it's on Sullivan's Island. Their Instagram handle is makerspost underscore SI. And their website is makers-post.com. Yeah. So, oh, I just wanted to say also like plan C, um, plan C pills.org mm-hmm. is, is a great resource. Need, need an A is a great resource. Need an A.com, I think. Okay. Need. N- oh, I, it's, 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 I need an A.com. Okay. I need an abortion. Um, yeah. And those are all play like, cause great resources, like vetted resources, not like the, like, <laughs> not the like weird shady things that are like actually anti-abortion. Right. Which is terrifying to or like whatever. Right. I mean, and that, look at that's been going on for so long, Sarah, they've been doing this for so long. Like I, you know, the only way to fight misinformation is with information, right? Mm-hmm. And then in, with informing yourself. That's why I was saying, like, the imagery, like, if you go out to protest, like, imagery of, like, bloody pants and, like, coat hangers, it's not great because you don't want to send – because the other side, like, doesn't care. Like, I it's know. not doing anything to I them. Know. They, they literally don't care. And you don't want to send the message to women who need – 
abortions that their only option would be to like do something drastic. There are so many resources um, that can help women access safe abortion now, even if they live in a place where there isn't uh, abortion care is not legal or, you know, whatever. And I feel that so much like I, when we, I was talking to Ann Warner, who runs the Wren um, group here, or she's in Columbia. But, um, you know, we were talking about advocacy and, you know, she's done so much stuff. And she was like, you know, you want to be heard, act respectful, right? Like, I get Mm -hmm. it. We're fucking mad. Like, who doesn't want to, like, pop off right now and, like, you know, scream and yell? And I get that. And like I said to my girls at the studio and Khalid, um, and I was like, if you, I want you guys to be loud. Like, talk about it. But don't be like, if you want to come in my office and we can scream and rant and just talk shit, like, let's do it. But like, if you're in a group of people and you want to be heard, first of all, we have to listen to each other. We have to listen to each other's stories and, you know, like be like, nobody has ever like changed their mind because they were fully bullied either way, you know? And I think that that's really valid what you're saying about like the imagery thing. Yeah. Yes. Because like, when you think about it, you know, the storytelling aspect of it is so much more impactful, Mm -hmm. Sarah. It's why I reposted your story. It's why I reposted um, your doctor testifying. It's why when I talked about it on my, you know, late night talk show, I just said it very simply. Like, I was 15. I made this decision and I don't regret it. And like, it is what it is. It's a thing I went through, you know, and I'm not screaming it. I'm not like, it just is, it just exists. And I have so many friends that have had abortions for literally every reason under the damn sun. It's healthcare. (laughs) Because it's a part of having a uterus. It's also why I talk about my period a lot. Mm -hmm. And like when my kid got, when Bernie got their period for the first time, I was like, what is it? Like, tell me what it feels like. I want to know, like, you know, just if it ever hurts too much, like I need you to tell me because, you know, there are things, no one talked to me about this stuff. I have friends that have had like endometriosis and they were like, oh, I just thought that being in copious amounts of pain was normal when I was a teenager. Like no one told me that that wasn't normal. You know what I mean? Like the more we can talk about and normalize this part of our anatomy, the better all of us are going to be. And honestly, the better off men are going to be. Because like, that's the other thing. Like I encourage my friends listening who have boys to like talk openly with their boys about periods and what it is and how it affects you and also like respect. And if they hear their friends making fun of like periods, you know, cause this happens right when you get into middle school and stuff, like the boys can be boys about mm-hmm. it and it's, mm-hmm. and it's, but like, they don't need to be, that's, it's dumb. It's antiquated. We don't need to like, it's not, nothing's mysterious. It's not mythical. We're just, you have wet dreams. We get periods. Right. That's Lucky us. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, yeah, at least yours is like, you get like a, <laughs> something like a nice thought out of it, I guess. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. <laughs> like, like, and I truly, I, Birdie, I remember at one point Birdie saying to me like, mom, you talk about periods so much. And I was like, yes, Birdie, because no one ever talked 
to me about my period. I didn't know how to use a tampon. Mm -hmm. I like had to like read the instructions. I like the leaflet, you know? Yeah. I I think I had to have a friend show me. I was like, this is TMI, but the way I was using it was not not. very, (laughs) like it was not going anywhere. Were you one of the Wait, were you one of the people that was putting like the entire applicator up your no. <laughs> vagina and then leaving it? Because I had a friend who was doing that and she's like, I don't know, guys, I've tried tampons and they just leak all the time. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then she was taking a plastic applicator oh, and putting the whole ow. thing up her vagina. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wait, that- I just want to give you a quick update. The, so they did, the House did pass the bill to ensure that you can travel interstate travel okay that's good um so that's fantastic um but now where does it go then it it has to go up to the senate i don't know and i think like to that point too you got to think and i know everybody said this a million times but like could I travel? Yes. Could I pay for Della to travel? Yes. You know, like, but what about the families that can't or the kids that are scared to tell their parents or they don't have a car, or they don't have the money. Like, it's like, again, we're just, it's just keeps perpetuating the same scenario. I think, and that just, that just really pisses me off. Right. And then this is where it comes into us, the private sector, right? And this is where we have to be willing to step up and make um, donations to things like yes. abortion funds <clears throat> because abortion funds are providing um, funds for women who need to be able to travel um, in order to procure abortions. Mm-hmm. And those are women who it's not just unwanted pregnancies, although, by the way, nothing wrong with wanting to not right. have a child um, if it doesn't fit into your life. I mean, that's like, you know, there are statistics on the Gutmacher Institute site and like, that always are like surprising to some people, you know, that like, you know, 80% of women who are having abortions already have at least one child, mm-hmm. you know, like people get this idea of like, well, I don't want these ladies using it as birth control. It's like whoever in their life <laughs> wants to deal with, by the way, I don't know about you. I have been, I have been pregnant. I know I've been pregnant three times in my life. Okay. Even when I was 15 years old and I, I, my abortion was like around, I think I was like, it was like around like eight or nine weeks, I think maybe seven or eight, nine weeks. I was like already gained weight. Mm -hmm. I was already throwing, I was already throwing up. I was already, I already felt like hormonally out of control. Mm -hmm. And with all of my pregnancies, I know I'm pregnant literally like the week I should get my period. Like I'm like, a mess. Like I already am like feeling the effects of it. Who in their right damn mind, you have to really not understand anatomy or what it is to be a woman to accuse women of using abortion as birth control. I know. Like who in their damn mind wants to be pregnant like for six weeks or whatever, or five weeks or four weeks or eight weeks or whatever. And like, to then have an abortion, your body, it puts your body through all the stuff, you oh, know, yeah, totally. you you go through all of the pregnancy stuff when you, even if you don't have the baby and then your body has to recover. It is like insane to me that people have taken that like weird Republican talking point as if it's a thing that anyone has ever done like 
oh, you know what? I'm not going to use birth control. I'll just get an abortion if I get pregnant. I what? Know. I know. I know. I've said that we've said this so many times, like me and a few of the other people I've been chatting with, like, it's not like, it's not like a pleasurable experience. And it also, it's expensive. Well, it's expensive. It's not, it's, there's no version of any woman in this world who would rather like, instead of like using birth control or protection, like accidents happen. People are uneducated. I was 15. I was an idiot. Like mm-hmm. I actually didn't, no one talked to me about sex. I actually didn't even know like what sperm was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like didn't, I like didn't get it. Um, like I theoretically knew the, like how babies are made, but I didn't know what about ovulation and cycles and all that stuff. Like right. had no idea. Um, and so obviously like there was, things happen but like the idea that women are getting like multiple abortions because you know who's you know who's been like the birth control queen since age 15 your girl mm-hmm. like because, because yeah. the thought of having to go through that again was like oh never I'm never going through that again until I'm like ready to have my family mm-hmm. yeah same I mean seriously as soon as that was over I said we got to do fertility I can't ever go through this again like I we got to make this we got to do something that's you know that isn't so torturous it's just like here's the other thing like these politicians are allowed to say whatever they want no one there's no one standing by and dinging that there's no like fact checking every time yeah there's no fact checking like so they can stand up and make their speeches and it can be full of like whatever they want to say when i testified before congress jim jordan started his whole thing saying like everybody knows that life begins at conception that's not debatable this is what the man said in the in congress Mm -hmm. like you know like in the halls of congress Mm -hmm. and i remember being like floored and looking around and I looked to the woman who was testifying next to me who's um this incredible professor from NYU and she just wrote down on her piece of paper like she didn't break her gaze from looking forward and she wrote down on her piece of paper be cool to Mm -hmm. me like don't like don't laugh don't don't yeah scream like just be cool yeah yeah like it gives me chills because she's so right. Well, like you just gotta, yeah. you know, but it's, but it's also, it's also why we're part of the reason why we're here now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the only way we can fight this disinformation is with real information and with being vocal and talking to our friends and our family and yes, even our children mm-hmm. Yeah, and being open and talk. And by the way, like, finding community in which like you're supported in your beliefs. I'm like, a, I'm a big believer in that, you know, like if you're, you know, my mom, I grew up in Arizona. It's it kind of can be wild there. Like can be very, very Republican. And my parents have always been liberal. And in the last decade or so, you know, and my mom always was like, you know, I'm fine. I can be friends with these women who hold different beliefs, who vote differently than me because, you know, we're friends and we, you know, agree to just not talk about these things. And in the last 10 years, bless my mom, who's 78, nine years. Oh my God. She's 79 years old. I can't believe it. Um, she's like, it's not worth it. I'm not, I, I told these women, like, I want to talk to you about these things 
because this is important. And if you're going to be racist or you're going to say things that are um, inappropriate or not true, like I need, I'm going to call you out on it. And if that's a problem for you, then we shouldn't be friends anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think that happens across the board. You know, it's like, for me, this is like abortion for me is not, and I know I'm, I'm being like, I'm not trying to be naive saying this because clearly it is a political issue, but I mean, this is like, this is healthcare to me, you know? And it's like when well, people honey, make it's it. Not, that's what I'm saying. It's not, it's actually not, it's actually, you're right. Like, it is healthcare. It's not like an issue that sh- it should be bipartisan. Yeah, totally. It's about, it's about privacy and about healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's about trusting experts. It's about trusting doctors mm-hmm. and yep. not politicians and not preachers. Mm-hmm. And by the way, like, I don't even need to tell you the, you know, evil that's been perpetrated on many people because of priests and, right. you know, people claiming that they have God on their side, yep. you know? Totally. So like, it's a anyway, lot. I love you. No, I, I love, love you, you for <laughs> speaking out. Well, and I, I really, and I really would have like encourage anyone, like, even if you're like, I can't post this on Facebook or whatever, like, go slow, babe. Like I'm, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Like I understand it can be intimidating. It can be scary. Go slow, but talk about it with your friends. Right. Talk about it with your family. Talk about it with your mom. Talk about it with, you know, I remember my dad at one point and my dad's like a liberal dude. Right. And I remember at one point he's like, I don't want to talk about female issues. And I was like, dad, it's not just a female issue. It affects you deeply. And and you're surrounded by females. Right. Like, you're, you're like, so like, you need to know about this stuff. Totally. No, I, I agree. Like, John and I talk about it all the time, talk about it with my dad. I talk about it with anyone that will listen. <laughs> like, hey, you over there, let's talk about this, you know? I um, think that's incredible. I, and I'm actually, you know, like, you know, we live in a very conservative state and, I'm, I have to say this and I know that I live in a bubble and Charleston is a bubble, a hundred percent of our state, but I'm actually very, I don't know if proud or impressed, but I've had some conversations with some men that are very conservative. Um, and they're like, this, this was it for me. Like this, this, this crossed a line. And I think that for us, like for us as, you know, Southern women, especially that are like told to kind of be polite, be quiet, like keep it to yourself. Like that conversation is really changing. And I just want to tell anyone that's listening that, you know, is kind of, or lives in South Carolina or feels that in their own state. Like I'm super, I'm super stoked that we're doing this, you know, not just for, for women, but for all people, for all people to be able to have conversations that are uncomfortable or that, you know, are affecting other people because, it's not just like, like we were saying before, like if something came up with one of our children, like we could take care of it, no problem. Right. But it's like, it's not just about us anymore. It never has been, but it's just, it's so loud to me now. I just, it, it really does. It just opens up a whole new way of living for me. It just feels good to have like people that are like supporting all over supporting people, you know, like my, um, my old nanny, who's now like my daughter's sister, best friend, I love her so much, but she's from Argentina. And like, she reached out to me and she's like, you know, like, of course, that's what the women did in Argentina. And she's like, I'm just, we're all standing with you guys, you know, like, 
it's not fair. It's not just the people in your country too. Like we're all standing with you. And I think that feels really um, unified and supportive. Like you were saying, find your people and freaking run to them, you know? Yeah. So, well, you're the best and I appreciate you waking up for us. Um, and I'll see you, I guess, in a few weeks. I'll see you soon. I'm going to be there just for maybe a day or two, but like, just I'll be there. <laughs> you're like flying in, <laughs> flying out. All right, Busy, you're the best. Thank you so much. And Thank I will you. holler at you when you get in town. 